Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I was once hiking in Yellowstone National Park with friends when we found an emergency access road that seems to have been used recently. We went back into the woods and started finding corn stalks, already cut down, growing in places you wouldn't expect to find corn. It wasn't a farmer's field of any kind. I was naive to what we were seeing so we continued onward. We started stumbling across If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Rustled, rusted car parts. The further we went, the more regularly we would find car parts. We started to think we were on someone else's property so we started trying to find a way to go around and head back. While doing so we found roughly half of a car rotting into the forest floor. As we pass this, my friend who was ahead of me suddenly crouches down behind a tree and starts motioning for the other two of us to do the same. Ahead of by roughly 50 meters we see an old looking wood cabin with a smokestack coming out of it that must have been 50 feet tall. The smokestack was angled so that whatever fumes would be dispersed would do so into a thick canopy of very tall trees. At this point I don't know what's happening or understand why my friend looks so scared. We are in Canada where accidentally stumbling onto someone's property isn't such a big deal. It seemed like a big deal to my friend. As he crawled over to tell us we have to go back, we start hearing gunshots from behind the cabin, opposite side of us. We don't hear bullets whizzing or see trees getting hit so, they weren't aiming at us, it was either target practice or warning shots. My friend quickly shuffles us away and once we are a good distance away the gunshots stop and my friend says that's a distillery, let's get the F out of there. It all clicked for me that instant, the house was built to house a still, the giant smokestack was so that the woods wouldn't fill with the smell of moonshine being brewed and the corn stalks we found were what was being used for mash to brew the moonshine. My friend was a good old boy as they say and he was scared. He said we would have been better off stumbling into a meth lab and from the look on his face, the constant gunfire and the sheer work and ingenuity it took to brew so far out in the woods, I believe him. I still sometimes wonder if those gunshots were a coincidence or a warning. Evidently, in the last few years I have come to learn that moonshine is a huge market in my area. I don't drink so it never showed on my radar, but I've met several people that work for a large producer and sell jugs for them. I and two of my friends were bored one night so we decided to do a little snow machining in Kenai Fjord National Park in Alaska. Though it was illegal to snow machine in Anchorage, there were some good trails to ride on a little north of my house. We took off at probably 11 pm, rode up the road about a quarter mile, and cut off on the trails. It had snowed about 10 inches a few days before so there was fresh snow, with no tracks. I was leading the way for about a half hour, then we stopped and talked for a little bit. We took off again and kept cruising on some sort of game trail that led to an opening in the woods. I rode off into the opening with my friends following about 50 yards behind me. I came over this little mound and saw strange tracks leading to this spot in the snow where it looked like something had pushed aside some snow and laid down. I figured it was just a moose or something. But I followed the tracks over the next small hill and as I came down the far side my headlight pointed right on the back of a Bigfoot. It was only about 10 to 12 feet in front of me. It was running in the opposite direction. I slammed on the brakes because I was scared out of my mind. 
It continued to run away, jumped over a dead log covered in snow and disappeared into a group of trees and into the darkness. I was so surprised and scared I quickly turned around and rode back toward my friends. I met them back by the first mound and said we need to get out of here, and rode back towards my house. When I told them about it back near my house, they laughed and told me it was probably a bear or someone in the woods. But I was 100% positive that as was not a bear or anything else. The way it was running through the deep snow made me sure that it wasn't anything human. For a long time I was made fun of and everyone told me I was crazy so I didn't like talking about it. I was working as a park ranger in a Yosemite. So, there was a small pot farm off-season in a very remote part of Northern California. At that time I slept in a small trailer in the middle of a clearing, surrounded by national forest on all sides. I woke up one night to the sound of something being scraped up and down the exterior of the trailer. It sounds dumb in hindsight. But at the time I thought of the urban legend with the murderer scraping his hook around the outside of a car. I was frozen in fear until whatever it was began ramming the trailer with enough force to shake it, at which point it occurred to me that it was probably elk. Tracks the following morning confirmed that it was indeed elk, scratching its antlers on the trailer. Me and a couple of friends had decided we should take a walk through the woods of Yellowstone National Park. I didn't think much of it, as me and my friend have done it many times before. There were four of us, and we set out at about 11 o'clock at night. It was rather dark, but there was light from the moon. The weather was rather cold, as we did this in the winter. The area we walked on was game trails, trails that moose walk on as well as trails used for mushers, runners, cross-country skiers, and that sort. We had walked about two miles from my house to another entrance where most people enter. On the way we had talked about unexplainable events or things such as Bigfoot, and UFOs. When we reached the bridge where most people come in, one friend had smoked a cigarette. We then saw a light and decided to go on. On the way back, we heard wild dogs barking wildly, and decided to pick up the speed. It eventually became a sprint, where after we walked. When we walked, we continued talking about it. It was then I had realized, something had been following us, as well as testing us, or even harassing us. It was much earlier, I just didn't think about it. I had thought it was my friend Warren, who is sometimes clumsy. I had thought it was him who had made noises such as slipping, but it was really something throwing stuff at us. I had realized this about halfway back. I asked if Warren kept slipping, when he told me it wasn't, and he thought I could have been pulling a prank. We stopped for a minute to listen when I told the others something strange was going on. We stopped, and shone a flashlight around, hearing noises such as steps, and branches moving and breaking. The leader had thought I had been playing a joke when I told him seriously, I wasn't. He decided to walk behind with me, when something threw snowballs, and nearly hit us on many occasions. It was then he realized that this was no joke, and we picked up a light jog, for most of the way. When we were almost out of the woods, we had again heard dogs, 
and maybe 20 feet away, the branches breaking, and again, something throwing stuff at us. By the time we left, it was about 3 to 3.30 in the morning. I know this was not a prank because the snow is more than 5 feet deep in the woods, and someone would have an extremely hard time to play a prank like that. When walking through the woods in Zion National Park, in the middle of winter, at dusk my friend and I fell through ice. There was no snow on the ground at this time. The entire area was staged with leaves over the ice. It was absolutely an intentional setup. Apparently this area was formed out into a large pool-like area. We sunk about 7-8 feet, then by some grace of God after many failed attempts falling through, I was able to pull myself onto the ice after about 15 feet. My friend was a rather chubby kid. Somehow I got Butterball out of the water. We stripped down to our underwear and ran back to his home. About one mile. We both knew hypothermia was going to set in if we didn't move quick. That place was intentional setup to drown someone. No doubt in my mind. His mom contacted the police. From what I understand the place was caution taped off for the rest of the winter. Definitely made me give up stealing his brother's cigs and sneaking off into the woods. My hunting buddy and I were sitting on a ridge watching for caribou. About 1000 yards away a large clearing was in view. While we were glassing the clearing for caribou to come out of the brush we watched a large grey animal walking on hind legs walk between two large spruce trees on opposite sides of the clearing. We are both long-time Alaskans, avid hunters and have logged many, many hunts in North America. I have hunted all of North America's deer, elk, black and grizzly bear. I have never seen an animal like what we saw that day. We watched it for over a half hour move from one tree across the clearing to the other tree. Eventually, caribou moved into the area and we lost sight of the animal when it moved off into heavy brush. We had never heard of a Bigfoot in Alaska. But we did tell the bush pilot that picked us up from our hunt that we had seen something strange. He told us we had probably seen the hairy man a well-known animal of the Iliamna region by the native people. To whom it may concern, I am a commercial fisherman in Alaska and have been doing so since 1970. I am an avid outdoorsman, hunter and someone who just loves to get out there. My favorite fishing spot is inside Katmai National Park. Every year after fishing, I try to take a trip upriver with a friend or two to wind down and enjoy ourselves before we go home. This year while I was on this trip into Alaska's interior our main mission was to take pictures of bears and the surrounding wildlife to promote a new bear viewing and sports fishing business. While on our 5-day trip, we spotted more than 40 bears. I took hundreds of pictures of these bears and their tracks. One of which, was so big, it put chills up my spin and gave me and my companions a very uneasy sense of insecurity. What set this track apart from the others was its enormous size and human shape. In one of the pictures that I took of this track, I placed my foot next to it on the ground, keep in mind I am wearing a size 13 boot. Whatever made this track was so heavy, 
heavier than the biggest bear, that it pushed the gravel so far into the earth that it made us truly speculate what we were looking at. Other pictures that we took of bear tracks were nowhere close to the indentation that this track had left. One of the most intriguing things about this track was there were no visible claw marks as with all the other bear tacks. Both of us felt extremely uneasy of our surroundings and had the feeling that we were being watched. For the rest of the day we didn't have much to talk about, and that night felt uncomfortable at camp. We never heard or smelt anything out of the ordinary. To this day I'm not too sure what we saw and I'm not making any claims other than the words I have put forth. I would like to include the photos I spoke of, as maybe you or someone on your staff might help me shed some light on this situation. I want nothing but to put my mind at ease. Whether this is a bear track from an extremely enormous bear or? Please help if you have any input. I was a seasonal park ranger back in the late 90s whilst in college. We got a call about a woman screaming off one of the biking trails. We searched for hours and never found any evidence of foul play so we decided to head back. We were a good 5 miles off the trail by this point when we stumbled upon a couple acres of marijuana. A heavily booby-trapped couple of acres of marijuana. A dozen bear traps. A shotgun rigged to go off when you walk into a string. There was a 10 feet deep pit covered with branches with spikes at the bottom. We later discovered there were dead deer that fell in and died. We got lucky it wasn't dark when we stumbled upon this otherwise I'm pretty sure one of us would have died. Lots of agencies got involved, we never determined who was screaming nor did we find out who owned the plot of weed. Why they would booby trap the shit out of it was mind boggling. Potentially killing someone over some plant seemed pretty messed but no one was hurt from it as far as I know. That was a very interesting job. I wouldn't mind doing it again at some point. My hiking partner and I arrived late to the Kennicott area. We were trying to make it to the camp sites near the Glotchier but it started getting too dark even for us. So we decided to camp at the first available site. We found a small spot right off the trail so we made camp and hung our supplies in a tree down the trail, started a fire and were just finishing a small meal when I walked to the trail to smoke. I was standing on the trail a few minutes when I noticed what I thought was a man on a bike coming down the trail. I let my partner know, but when I looked back it was still in the same spot. I started looking more closely to see a face or the bike or something. It was then I realized it wasn't a person. It was a large dark form leg spread apart, this is what led me to think it was a person on a bike. The arms were curled at its side like someone with hands on handlebars. Too big for a bear and the legs were too far apart. I called my partner but when turned back to look at it again it moved very quickly into the woods on two legs. The next day we looked but found no evidence of anything on the trail. I've told this story to a few people but they all think I'm crazy. I hope that this helps. I know what I saw, I guess I'm just hoping somebody believes me. It was the month of July, 2009 in Noatok National Park. I was heading south on Auburn Drive toward Farmer's Loop which was about one mile away. 
It is a wooded area frequented by homes and in general would be considered a populated area. Houses are on an average of about 100 to 200 feet apart with only the general area around and close to the homes cleared out. Most of the area by far is wooded. It was the section of the road where it passes by Pearl Creek Elementary School. The school can be seen through the woods. Some of the woods in the area are quite thick and in some places can't be seen into more than about 10 or 15 feet. But in this area, it had apparently been cleaned out quite a bit and sight lines into the section of the siting were very open. The school and vegetable garden could be seen off to the right from the road I was on. It was about 6 p.m. and I was heading home after a day of working on a deck I was building. The weather was clear with the sun high in the sky. As I was driving, I happened to notice a man standing by the right side of the road about 100 yards ahead. It was more of an unconscious recognition. There's nothing unusual about a man standing on the side of the road in this area. As I got to within about 50 yards, I looked closer. That's no man I said to myself, I was alone in the car. Shortly after that, one or two seconds, he bolted into the woods towards the school. He did it like a wild animal would do if spooked. I didn't slow down until I got to the place where I saw him go into the woods which is where I stopped. I could see him running away from the road and when he was into the woods about 30 yards or so, he turned left and was now running parallel to the road in the same direction I was heading. I got a good look at him, but not his face. I could have probably seen his face had I not been so mesmerized and had the presence of mind to look at it. I was busy noticing other things. His fur or hair looked to be about 3 to 4 inches all over the main part of his body. It was a reddish rusty color. I was mildly struck by how red it was, but it definitely had some rustiness to it. He was about 6 feet tall and looked to weigh about 200 pounds he ran with a strange hoppy kind of run. It wasn't a limp. With one foot he pushed off with was more a normal running move, but the other foot he pushed off with propelled him upward, about a foot or less, and forward. I watched him until he disappeared into the woods. There was a road about 100 yards ahead and I took off to get to it so I could turn right and in 20 yards turn right again to the road that lead to the school parking lot. So the wooded area he was in was sort of a peninsula and he seemingly had to be in there somewhere. The woods I was looking into from that angle were quite thick and I didn't see him and haven't seen him since. A little farther up on the right was the school garden that had people in it, around 7 to 10, which I'm now sorry I didn't stop to go talk to them about it. The next day as I was driving into work on the deck, I naturally slowed down in the area I saw him, stopped actually, and was surveying the area when a couple walking their dogs were approaching. I flagged them down and told the story of what happened the evening before and they told me that about a week before they were with their dogs and were on the way other side of the school property by the soccer field and three kids came running over to them saying did you see the Sasquatch, did you see the Sasquatch? They also said that what appeared to be a dad was with them who didn't seem too excited about it. My conclusion to whether it was real or not is summed up by saying. It was either real or there was a man in a very, very convincing costume. I reported it to the Fish and Game office in Fairbanks a couple days later. 
The person who was taking the report was sort of rolling his eyes through the whole thing as he seemed to be writing it down on a piece of scrap paper. I even had to ask him to take my phone number just in case. I personally did not see it in Denali National Park but a non-commissioned officer I work with along with his wife, child and hunting buddy were on their way home when according to them a large, hairy about 7 foot ape looking thing crossed the road in front of them. From what I could gather none of them are too familiar with Bigfoot information. Anyway they say it crossed the road which is about 35 feet in width in 4 to 5 steps it seemed and disappeared into the brush on the other side which leads to a river called the China. Both of the guys have been hunting since childhood and are sure they know a bear when they see one. The thing crossed the road on its hind legs and as we all agreed yeah a bear can raise up on its hind legs and even take a few clumsy steps, but, cross a 35 foot road, nah. They say they even came back later, they were shook, and looked for tracks. He wasn't too sure but says he found some tracks that didn't look like any tracks he was familiar with. They were pointed inward as a person who is what I call pigeon-toed. They heard or saw nothing else but were a bit shook and headed home. The entire story seemed incredible to me because the incident took place on a military installation. I really don't want to get the guys involved because they fear ridicule. Backcountry search and rescue here. I haven't actually seen too many weird things in the wilderness. But when you're out in the middle of nowhere at night and you're exhausted, relatively normal things can be downright creepy at first. About two or three years ago I was out on a search in the pine forests of northern Arizona following a trail that was more of a boot path than much else. As a result I was focusing on the trail a good deal more than my surroundings. Looked up to see about 20 to 30 pairs of glowing eyes staring back at me, almost 360 degrees around me, and just about lost my shit for a second. Turns out we walked into an elk herd and they were just as startled as we were. I was a tour guide at a national state park and I stayed in the ranger cabin because the commute was so far. We didn't have TV in the cabin so I just sat on the porch, there in the middle of the woods, at least 30 miles from a town and there was nothing but nature. Anyways, the curiosity from the wildlife was astounding. I had deer walk right up to the porch and stare at me for a long time. Snakes would come up right beside me and sit by my legs like they weren't worried about me. Birds and squirrels showed a lot of curiosity as well. Especially hummingbirds. It took me a while to get used to it and stay still when they did it, but they would come up and examine me and my face from within an inch. They like to hover there, just staring at your eye. Darting back and forth, just examining all the wonders of your face. It was amazing. I really miss the solitude and the way those animals seem so interested in me. When I was 20 my girlfriend, ex now, and I decided to take a week-long camping trip to Grand Canyon. There was some property that belonged to her father's friend with my Australian cattle dog Wrangler and her German Shepherd Zero. 
about 4,000-acre undeveloped ranch in the northeast woods. The plan was to be taken by four-wheeler to a point on the property unknown by us, and then we would hike back to the main gate over the next week. I had a GPS for an emergency but we planned on doing the trip with maps and compass only. We were well equipped for the trip. Had enough food for three days, planned to hunt the rest, water for three days and water purifying systems. All the necessary camping gear. She had her bolt action .223 and a Taurus judge. I had my .22 rifle and my 40 calories baby eagle. We arrived at our destination and bid farewell to the friends that dropped us off on the four-wheelers. Our first day we mainly wandered around exploring and figuring out our plan. There was a creek running through the property that we could follow and it would get us pretty close to the gate. We had our plan and had done enough exploring so we started setting up camp before dark. Our first night was very pleasant for the most part. Dinner by the fire with the dogs chit-chatting all night till about midnight when we decided to turn in. I woke up around 230 with a strange feeling. I saw Wrangler and Zero at the door of the tent very tense but not making a sound. I knew right away something was up. Both of these dogs were well trained and very loyal and protective of us. I stepped out with a light in the .40 to look around and left the dogs with my GF just in case she's a deep sleeper. I made my rounds around camp and found nothing, but I couldn't shake the feeling that something was watching me. I passed it off as a pack of coyotes and went back to bed trusting the dogs to watch out for us. We woke up the next morning and I told her what had happened. We just blew it off and began our day. Well the second night we set up camp near the creek and things got a bit hairy. While sitting around the fire we heard a very strange sound. Something I've never heard before. The dogs began to growl and snarl facing the woods north of us. We quickly drew arms and began to sweep the campsite. Found nothing but the sound persisted around camp. It was like a snarling slash gargling slash sniffing sound. We didn't sleep that night. No matter how much we looked and checked we could never find the source of the sound and the dogs were restless the whole night. By the third night we were very restless, when night fell we sat by the fire with arms at our sides. We were going to stay up in shifts to keep watch just in case. While I was asleep I heard the dogs go off and when I woke up I saw my GF standing with Zero at her feet and her judge drawn. I quickly took arms at her back. Something had apparently ran very rapidly behind the tent. She couldn't describe what it was. Then it ran by again. I caught a glance under the light of the fire behind us, it was big and very fast. Ran on all fours but that's all I made out. It sounded like more than one creature this time. They weren't coyotes. Too big. And much too fast. Heather spotted one again behind the tent and fired. We heard the nasty snarl again and Wrangler broke away from me and gave chase. I love my dog but didn't dare go after him. I just called and called but he didn't return. We stood there guns drawn for an hour after she had fired. Everything was quiet. Then we heard rustling. We had our sights on the sound and Wrangler came out of the woods. He wasn't hurt, but he had blood on his back. After this we decided to bug out at sunrise. We packed up and started hiking. 
We were about two days hike non-stop from the gate and we were ready to do it. The third night we didn't camp. We broke out the headlights and kept going. Whatever was in those woods was back. Following us but at a greater distance this time. They followed all night. That was one of the most intense hikes I've ever had. We hiked with our guns in front and the dogs in back. Whatever was following us wasn't stupid. It stuck to our sides. Usually about 40 yards out into the woods always out of sight. We stopped to rest for a few minutes around 4 a.m. They stopped too. From what we could hear it sounded like maybe three things out there. They got closer when we stopped and I thought I saw something and fired the point .223. I didn't hit anything, probably my mind playing games with me but the shot scared them back to a much greater distance. By sunrise they were gone again. We made it to the gate before dark and hightailed it out of there. We returned the next day on four-wheelers and with several other people to have a look around. We went to the site of our second camp and found a blood trail from whatever the hell Heather had hit with the slug shot loaded in the judge. The trail ran for about 200 yards before we lost it. We found nothing else and headed back before darkness caught us again. We never found out what they were. And no one had any experience like that on the property before. To this day I try not to talk about it too much because I even have trouble believing it sometimes. I try telling myself they were coyotes with mange or mutated or something but Heather never let me believe myself. Not too many creatures out there can take a 410 slug and bleed that much without going down, especially not a yacht. All I know is that I won't camp on that property anytime soon. Where we like to camp is high desert, and there are free-range cattle around at different times of the year. A few years ago we were camping out and we normally hear coyotes every night. A pack that roams the night from north hills above us to the south looking for prey. They always yip and howl like it's a circus. On this particular night there were no sounds. Not one coyote, no night hawks, not even bugs. Not one cow bellowed in the night and that is not normal. It was really dark that night. The next morning, on the way out, I saw a cow lying down in the field and not moving at all. I looked closer and saw it had been cleanly cut in the lower gut, and something had also been eating it. I talked to the local cowboy later that day who saw it and told us it was a mutilation, this was like the one that had been dropped a few miles away two years before in a remote gully. No tracks around it, no blood, nothing. Like it fell from the sky or was placed there. Now when you are right there and you don't hear anything at all, and this sort of thing happens, it's creepy. This happened in late August of 1997 in a side valley of Goldstream Valley, a relatively populated area just north of Fairbanks. Although it's quite close to the Fairbanks area and there are many houses and roads in the main part of Goldstream, the side valleys are still as wild as they were a thousand years ago. I was hunting ruffed grouse in one of these side valleys, I prefer not to say which one. I was on a south-facing aspen-covered hillside, and had hunted all afternoon and evening, intending to spend the night out on the hill and hunt my way back in the morning. 
As I was making camp, a black bear almost walked right into me. I heard him coming from a ways off, and scared him away before he got closer. Later on, it will become apparent why I mentioned this. So I was sleeping out in the open, no tent, under a spruce tree. Sometime in the middle of the night, I was awakened by something prowling around my camp, maybe 30 feet or so away from me, walking in a circle. I mentioned the bear before. This was not a bear I heard in the night. My father is a hunting guide, and I literally grew up hunting bears. I know what a bear sounds like when it's walking. Whatever this thing was, it was walking on two legs, with a bit of a shuffling sound between each step, like it was dragging its feet a bit. The leaves on the forest floor were dry like potato chips, and it was breaking a lot of branches. I could hear it and follow its movement quite distinctly. I have to say here that I've spent a lot of time in the Alaskan bush, and have never before or since been truly afraid of anything I've encountered, but I don't mind saying that on that particular night I was literally shaking with fear. It circled my camp for what seemed like hours, but it was probably only five minutes or so. Finally, remembering something I had once read about the Athabascan Indians' beliefs regarding woodsmen, I started talking to it, albeit in a shaky voice, saying I wanted no trouble that night. The thing stopped dead in its tracks, then a few moments later, I heard it trotting downhill, away from me. Talking to such a creature may sound kinda cornball, but all I know is that it worked. I've kicked myself for this many times since, but the next morning, I didn't bother to look for any tracks, hair, etc. I just packed up and resumed my hunting. I had no further trouble with the woodsman. As a final couple of notes, I do recall hearing kind of low muttering sound as it was prowling around me. Also, having since done some reading on Bigfoot sightings, I've noticed that a lot of people report the animal having a strong foul. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'll odor to it. However, I did not smell any particular odor, foul or otherwise. I was part of a group of about a dozen army personnel training in the area. It was summer on a warm clear day. We were above treeline and had been camped there for several days. I was looking across the nearest valley when I spotted movement. It was on the base of a steep mountainside in bare, rocky terrain, with snowfields descending down the small gullies on the hillside. It was moving up the valley about a half mile away. When it crossed the snow, 
You could plainly see that it was not a bear. It walked upright with long strides and arms swinging and moved fast across the white snow. It was dark in color like a bear. I have seen bears many times since in the same type of terrain and they do not move like this did. It was too big and fast to be a human. Bears can and do walk upright, usually for short instances when they need to see or smell something and need the height. They don't travel in this manner and not in difficult terrain. I pointed it out to the other guys and we watched it until you could no longer see it. When it was out of the snow it was hard to see against the rocks. We wanted to go look at the tracks but everyone was scared to go down there. We had to sleep there that night and nobody would go outside after dark. The next day we got out and never went back. 20 years later, I still would not go up there even with a group and with guns. The only thing I have seen that looked like this is the descriptions of Bigfoot. This incident occurred back in 1964, and I have not been able to put it out of my mind. It occurred on a small dirt road which was about 35 miles south of Fairbanks AK. This dirt road was directly off the Richardson Highway. Heading south you take a left off the highway and this road led to an old camp near a small pond which was about 2 miles in. Observed, something that I would not believe unless I saw it just stepped up about 30 feet in front of me stared at me kind of grunted and walked into the woods real quietly. I did have a rifle and a handgun on me because I was out hunting but for some reason I didn't feel threatened. Although I did turn around and headed back to my car often glancing over my shoulder. I did hear some cracking branches on several occasions and I heard a few low to high tones coming from the direction that the really tall at least 6 feet and shaggy dark brown thing went and what made me walk a little faster was that some of those sounds were answered from the other side of the road. Other than that no further sighting and or hearing took place the year. So I was alone staying at my cabin up north. And I mean very up north, middle of nowhere in the middle of the woods. Small cabin, almost completely cut off from the outside world, save the mile-long dirt road that connected to another dirt road that led into a town of 40 people. It was my wed night, and all was going good. The fireplace was going, and I just ate dinner. I decided to make the 200-foot trek to my truck in pitch darkness. Now keep in mind where I'm it has the highest bear population density in my state, so I'm sure as shit taking my shotgun with me, but I'm not worried, K slash Omondo mode engaged. I scarred off a bear two days ago, and he hasn't been back. So I walk out to my truck, underwear only, because nobody is going to creep on an armed man in the middle of nowhere, and retrieve important item from truck. I'm about 30 feet from the cabin door when a noise catches me off guard. A light shuffle and a heavy breathing noise stab the once silent night air. I freeze, listening very intently, and that's when I hear this deer-like grunt, but it was obvious that no deer made that sound. I'm shitting a brick at this point, shotgun swiveled at direction of noise and slowly walking toward cabin. As I reach the cabin, I see this awfully big silhouette run into the trees, definitely not a bear or deer, and I fire once in its general direction, because f that thing, and I ran inside. 
locked all the doors and windows, shut the cabin up tight. I slept with the shotgun that night, not fully grasping what I had just experienced. I woke up the next morning and immediately checked my trail cameras, and they were blank. Of course they didn't work right when they needed to. Freaked me the hell out. I stayed another two nights, periodically shooting into the trees, asserting my dominance. Was still scared, but more curious than fearful. And mama didn't raise no pussy. Left there with no understanding of what happened, but am going back with the sole intent of finding out what the hell that thing was. Not my experience, but it happened where I grew up. There are books written about it and TV programs. In the 1970s there was this family called the Golers who were an incest bread clan with severe physical and mental deficiencies. The very large family lived in two large, very unsafe shacks in the mountains of central Nova Scotia. They collected welfare and did the occasionally side work, but you want to imagine hills have eyes or deliverance. Some kids had run away a couple times but we caught by police and returned. It wasn't until a teacher noticed something about one of the young girls that prompted her to demand the police investigate. Everyone in town knew who they were but nobody really believed or cared about them and just thought they were dirty and dumb and whatever. Finally when the police did investigate all of the horrors became common. Not only were the adults there, I think there were like 20 adults and even more kids, bragging about graphic and violent sexual assault, they blamed the kids for it saying they were asking for it. I dunno if this part was urban myth, but I also believe that a makeshift graveyard was also discovered of stillborn children or infants who didn't make it. Most, if not all of the adults were evaluated to have had numerous intellectual disabilities and very low IQ and all of them ended up going to prison. I think the shacks were demolished because they were infested with all manner of pest and endless amounts of garbage, they were also hoarders. The kids were separated and relocated around the province and their names changed to protect their identities. Most of the kids would be in the late 30s late 40s now. Where I grew up Goler was a common insult. It was talked about a lot in school. I live in very rural Ohio and I live in a corner cut of woods. We heat our house with wood in late fall, winter, and early spring. This isn't like a wood stove either you actually have to go outside and fill it with wood day or night. It boils water and sends it through a radiator in our furnace. It was the first snow in the fall. The wind was damn near howling. I was the only person home so I had to fill it in the middle of the night. I saw nothing down the logging trail into my woods. Just a usual night, at first. I was halfway done filling the thing when I swore through the wind I had heard footsteps in the woods. It was windy as hell so I thought it was my imagination. I finished filling the burner and was getting ready to walk inside. I was starting to feel the bite of the cold and was excited to get back to the warm house. Then I shined the flashlight onto the path. I saw a pair of dim eyes that were a good 5 inches apart, easily 6 to 7 feet tall. 10 to 12 centimeters apart, 1.82 meters tall, it made me freeze, it was unlike any animal eye shine I had ever seen before. 
I took sock of my situation. I had an axe that we had for making kindling, a relatively poor flashlight, and as much wood that I would need to last a winter. I had the wood pile between me and this animal. The house was in the direction that lead away from it, but there was one problem. I had to leave what cover I had to get to the house. I stared at this animal for a good five minutes. Its eyes seemed somewhat stuck to the light, although it looked like it was also looking around a little to the left and right. I was beyond spooked, but I took my chance and ran for the house. Those damned eyes were on me the whole run to the house. Well around the two-car garage that was next to the house. It stayed put, thank God, and I made it back to the house. I was still quite spooked and I did something I hadn't done in years, I locked every door that lead to the outside. Including the door to the dog fence, we had a 100-pound Doberman at the time and he even looked scared. I called my brother to tell him that I locked every door because of what I saw. He worked third shift at the time and was just getting ready to move out. He told me I was worried about nothing, but he did seem a little shook up about what I told him. To this day I have no clue what was actually out there. Be it a figment of my imagination, a raccoon, or something that was far larger. The sizes are based on the closest reference point I could find in the daylight. Easy because it was near the closest tree to the edge of the woods, almost like it was trying to hide behind it. I was at a girlfriend's cabin in the middle of nowhere. Driveway was scarier than shit. Probably took 15 minutes to get through and absolutely needed four-wheel drive. Remote. Hanging there with the girl, her mom slash sis. Nice bonfire. Dogs start going nuts. Oh shit. Someone is coming up the driveway and they got dogs going nuts, too. Van full of rednecks. Saw your fire and wanted to party. This can't be good. Outnumbered at least five to one. Think there might have been another vehicle too, no firearms, plus them dogs are sick. Don't even think we had phone slash cell, early 90s, and help can't get here soon, anyway. Super sketchy. Especially this one dude, about seven foot, dressed in all black. Somehow I get rid of them without problems. Next day, we found one of those doll-slash-figurines, can't remember what they're called, people used to cast spells. I was outside one night enjoying the evening while taking a hike on Grand Canyon. It was clear, and the stars were out. Now one thing to understand about looking at the sky at night is that if you want to get a really good look at it, there needs to be basically no light around you, and this evening all my lights were off. I was sitting in a lawn chair, looking up, and enjoying stars. When you are looking at the sky, sometimes you can see satellites moving across the night sky. They actually look like little stars, moving across the sky in a straight line. Well, as I was looking, my eye caught what I thought was a satellite. It was a tiny blip moving across in a straight line, but, as I was watching it, it stopped dead in its tracks. I got puzzled at this point, and I kept my eye on it. The dot that was moving straight across suddenly decided to stop and just sit there, then it began to move back and forth, up and down, 
and every other which way in a small area in the sky. I was getting fairly disturbed at this point, as I had never seen anything like it. Based on what I could tell, this was way too high for any helicopter that I know of to be at that altitude. I know it could also have been some sort of experimental military equipment, but coincidentally this was around the time the UFO stuff was coming out of the Pentagon, and I was making the connection. Anyway, I sat there and watched this little dot zip around the sky for maybe 10 to 15 minutes, then suddenly, it shot up into the sky, and I lost view of it. I was doing spawning ground surveys in the Frank Church Wilderness in Idaho. About three miles into the trail I passed a camp but no one was home. Three days later on my way out I passed the same camp but this time there was a guy there in a big blue tarp over something. The guy started asking me things but I couldn't hear him so I walked closer. He was asking me if I wanted to buy a bear pelt or various bear internal organs. This guy did not seem right in the head and it was a very strange and unsettling interaction. I wanted out of there as fast as I could. I'm also pretty sure that the selling of wild animals parts is quite illegal so I looked for a vehicle at the trailhead or any info that I could give to a game warden but I came up with nothing. Worked an internship with an ex-forest ranger. He had a report of a missing man who had some ailments. And needed daily meds. Anyways found him at a deer blind, facing away. Matched the description so they called out his name. No response. Called out again. Nope the guy just sat facing the woods. My coworker went and tapped him in the shoulder. Maybe he was sleeping? Nope he was missing his face. Shot himself with a rifle. He was actually sick with cancer and went out to end it all. Poor guy. I worked in Alaska for a bit as a member of the park services. One day, we had gotten a call about some illegal dumping on one of the local trails, so myself and another employee went out to investigate. We were fairly deep into the trails, not too many people around except for a few joggers, when we came around a turn in the path. As we were walking, my partner looked into the woods and said what the F, there's a guy there. About 20 yards away, there was a white guy with longish hair crouched behind a bush just kind of staring at us. The man noticed that we had noticed him, and he immediately stood up and stretched out his arms in the air, like he was just enjoying the day. He actually approached us, and it turns out that the man I was with actually knew the man in the woods. He was a local builder or owned a construction company, in fact, he had built a deck for my friend the year prior. After they said their hellos, he mentioned that he just stepped off the path for a moment to take a leak, it was kind of strange, though, because we had seen him, that definitely wasn't what he was doing. But he wasn't that suspicious and my friend knew him so, after making sure he wasn't illegally dumping anything, we started walking back, and he walked with us for a fair while. A few years later, I heard that the man we had seen had been arrested. Apparently there had been some sort of altercation with a girl at a coffee shop, or so I had initially been told, and he shot her in a robbery and was under arrest for murder. 
The truth was even more bizarre. The man, Israel Keys, was a serial killer who had actually abducted slash tortured slash murdered the girl. After being arrested, it turns out that he had been traveling around the country murdering people randomly for years. He would bury murder kits and come back, sometimes years later, to dig them up, they would include guns, cash, etc. whatever he needed. I went back later to where we had come across Israel in the woods to see if there was any such a kit buried there, but I didn't find anything. Others suggested that he might have been waiting to surprise a victim on the trail, but that didn't seem to be his general mo, as was my understanding. Anyway, our encounter is something I've never totally been able to explain and, since he killed himself before trial, I likely never will. I was still in college, 21 years old I think, and working for the United States Forest Service in Oregon as a wilderness technician, during the summer. Basically, I hiked around the woods for days on end clearing out logs, brush, etc. A good job for a 21-year-old. Anyway, one day I was out on my own during a day trip and about 5 miles into a 8-mile trail loop. I was hiking around a bend in the trail, and about 200 feet ahead I see a big white boulder in the middle of the trail. I come closer and think to myself how strange it was to see such a big white boulder in the middle of the trail. Then the boulder starts moving up and down, up and down. What the hell, I say to myself. It was an ass, a big white ass. Some lady was riding the hell out of her man right there in the middle of the trail, 60 miles from the nearest vestige of civilization. To each their own. I was hiking in Yosemite National Park and while we were at an established camp there was a guy who was carried in by a couple of his buddies with a huge bandage over one eye and a bandana blinding his other eye. We asked what happened and it turns out a hummingbird flew into his eye and got stuck and they had to kill it and break the body off and bandage it. Know if you have an eye injury like this, you immobilize the eye and bandage over the other eye to keep it from moving around too much, so that part of the story checked out. I wouldn't have believed them if they hadn't shown me a bunch of feathers they had kept. Ain't nobody can collect as many hummingbird feathers as they had in less than a week, which considering where we were they had to have been less than a week into their trek. My dad bought a farm on the road to the north of us back in 90. Nobody had lived there for 10 years or so. But the barns were still nice and we wanted to use them so he had the electric turned on. Naturally the house electric was on too and the porch light kept coming on. Dad thought it was a bad switch and replaced it. Still every once in a while it would be on when I'd drive by. I went to the army for four years and had forgotten about it. Not too long after I had come home I was driving by and it was on. So I stopped and turned it off by unscrewing the bulb because the doors were all locked. The next morning I told my dad about it and he gave me a look like I was crazy. He said I took all the fuses out of the house a few years ago so not to have an electrical fire in there. So we go back up there and the bulb that I had sat on the milk box was gone. And I checked for myself that all the fuses were gone, and they were.
When I was a kid my dad had a an old Jeep, maybe a CJ5, can't remember. All I remember about it is that it was an old rattle trap. We were driving across Highway 520 in East Central FL on our way to Titusville to fish the flats for trout. I was half asleep, the sound of the old canvas doors and top was making enough racket to keep me awake. To set the stage 520 is a desolate piece of road, no houses, no lights, just swamp and woods. We were cruising along and all of sudden bam, lots of noise and couldn't see anything. I was scared shitless, didn't know what was going on. But it was obvious after a minute. The hood flew up. Dad stopped the jeep, right in the road as there wasn't any traffic either direction. We closed and latched the hood, it had a hell of a dent in the middle of it where it hit the windshield. We started back down the road, you couldn't have nailed my eyes shut now. We drove a little farther, and Dad says hey, do you see that? He was pointing out the windshield down the road. I looked out and there was something in the middle of the road. He slowed down and as we came up on it he stopped, probably 40 yards away. Sitting in the middle of the road, literally on the yellow lines, was a huge black panther. It was sitting there looking right at us, and panting real hard. Dad eased up towards it a bit and we could see that its face looked wet, around the mouth. We kept creeping up on it, real slow, it showed no fear. Finally we were probably 20 yards from it and it just got up and walked off the side of the road. I have seen several panthers in the wild here in Florida, well the ass end of several anyway. But never a black one. It was actually pretty cool, but at the same time when it was happening, it was really eerie. We were hunting on federal land that was adjacent to a small Indian reservation up north. One afternoon, my cousin and I came upon this dump in the middle of the woods. No road in or out. On the edge of this dump area was an old trailer house, with an old rotted out deck, and beer cans and whiskey bottles strewn all over. We went in and crossed the room examining the skinning table and a 55 gallons Burrell stove. It all looked so cool someone had a nice setup. When we turned around, we saw the whole wall, where the front door was, was plastered with Polaroid photos of peace by pass and fire dance and drum beat and rituals. The shivers just ran through me. Needless to say, we got out and away from there fast. My wife and I bought our first house one year before we were married, it was about 60 years old and needed updating. The lady we bought it from lived close by and told us the history, her dad built the house she and her brother were born there and her dad died there, on the front porch. We did not live in the house for the first year, just worked on it. One day I was working in the basement and had a radio playing upstairs in the kitchen loud enough it could be heard throughout the house, just me and my Jack Russell Terrier Jake. The front storm door was latched and the other doors were locked, all of sudden Jake looks up like he heard something, so I listen for a second expecting to hear a knock at the door, but instead I hear the radio change stations, not just one station but about five and this was not a digital but the older type that you had to turn the dial. I just thought it was my wife, so I yelled upstairs to her, but no response, 
So I quietly creep upstairs expecting her to jump out to try and scare me because we always joked about our resident ghost. I get upstairs and nothing, doors are still locked, no cars nothing. Jake and I left early that day. Me and my father were camping on Lake Moultrie, part of the Santee Cooper Lake and River Systems one night on an island on the lower half of the lake known as Fish Hatchery. We canoed out there, had fished all day, and around dark, we were settling down ready to cook a meal when we heard a noise that rocked our world. I guess we were there at just the right time, for several hours, all we could hear was the bone-chilling roar from hundreds of 10 feet plus alligators. It just so happened that we were there during a mating season ritual where all of the males bellow. We were on a small island only two or three feet above water level out in the middle of the swamp, surrounded by these dinosaurs only a few feet away. Every few seconds, one would let out a bellow sound that would literally vibrate the ground. No shit. I have little fear, but all respect for these reptilian wonders, it was to many people whom I told the story to scary. But to me, it was just plain cool. A hiking experience. I was visiting my hometown back east as a young woman and decided to go for a hike along the river. Over the years growing up, this is where I would go hike and read a book to get away, or go biking or skiing depending on the time of year. I loved this area and it held a special place in my heart. As I set out down the path I could only walk for a few hundred meters. The more I walked, the more I felt I had to turn around and just get out of there. I felt very vulnerable. Something was very wrong. Now, I was living in a really horrible part of Vancouver at the time and I was completely in sync with reading my environment as a matter of self-preservation. However, I had a policy that I was going to walk where I wanted to and when I wanted to. For me to back out of an area especially a lovely forested area by the river I love was completely out of character for me. In fact, turning around was like a form of defeat. I thought possibly I was becoming soft. Sometime later, news alerts went out into the neighborhood about a missing woman. Her bike had been found at my intended destination that day. A few days later, her body had been dragged out of the nearby creek, murdered. This area was not a violent crime type of area. What I was picking up on that day, I have no idea. But at least, I am here to share my experience. I did an internship in the Adirondacks with the deck, which basically entailed backpacking deep into the mountains and camping out for a few days at a time helping lost hikers and making sure campers weren't destroying the sites or attracting bears. Cool way to spend a summer. The weirdest thing to happen to me wasn't creepy, it was just weird in a whoa, nature just talked to me directly kind of way. I tended to take it upon myself to pick up litter when I saw it along the trails. So this one time I was hiking down from a mountaintop and this chipmunk ran out right in front of me, but instead of crossing the trail it stopped and sat on a rock and looked at me. I stopped and watched it because, you know, potentially rabid chipmunk. It wasn't acting rabid, though. Just ran past me up the trail behind me and hopped onto another rock, stopped, looked at me again. 
then looked down at a plastic sandwich bag on the ground. I hadn't seen it. I said, oh, okay. Chipmunk ran off into the woods. I picked up the sandwich bag, put it in the garbage bag in my backpack and continued on down the trail. Call me a big hippie if you want, you're not really wrong. I did a lot of meditating on mountaintops that summer. But I always took that moment as the forest using a chipmunk to say, hey, you missed a spot. My dad always tells a story like this one about backpacking when he was younger. He was talking to some locals about picking mushrooms and learned that you could catch a pretty penny if you found the right ones. Sure enough on his next hike he spotted a patch of some pretty hefty mushrooms that were divided into avidly different kinds and began picking the ones he decided were most like the ones the locals described. After he had picked two or three, a chipmunk ripped down out of a tree and over to where he was picking. The chipmunk picked up the kind of mushrooms he was picking, started chattering away, threw it on the ground, stomped over to the other kind, picked up the mushroom, took a bite out of it, chattered some more and walked off. My dad said that he honestly felt the squirrel was telling him he was picking the wrong mushrooms, and sure enough my dad brought back both kinds and the chipmunk was right. While working as a wildland firefighter, our crew was on a fire deep into New Mexico. With that profession, you spend a lot of time on your feet and doing a lot of manual labor with little sleep. On the incident maps it's common to make notations of areas that are considered sensitive. This can range from areas with suspected slash known endangered species, known pot farms, and Native American land with cultural significance. So we were late into our shift, can't even recall what day we were on, because typically assignments can last up to 14 to 28 days depending on need for resources. We were working with a Native American crew because our division went through culturally sensitive land. Everything was going good, darkness fell, and it was coming up on break time eventually. We were all dead tired, sucking in smoke all day, little sleep, totally normal. Fire was pretty much out in our area, minus a few hot spots that just needed mopping up. As I was sitting against a tree all of our normal radio traffic turned to nothing but static. Which is totally common in areas that are out there. Fighting the urge to sleep I got one of those moments that just wakes you up. Like when you wake up from a dream where you're falling, it was like that. But there were these figures. Similar to the ghost of Obi-Wan. It's like they would walk behind a tree and disappear. 